and you're listening to a sermon from Bent Tree Church in Loveland, Colorado. For more information about Bent Tree, visit BentTreeChurch.com. Good morning, Bent Tree Church. My name is Hal Hudson. I'm the student pastor here at Bent Tree. And because you guys are the second service today, uh, you guys are going to get a little bit of a different service. Okay, so how many of you brought your Bibles today? Okay, can I see those? Perfect. So, uh, just we're going to, one tool that we use to keep our students sharp on Wednesday nights at our student D3 groups is sword drills. So, I'm going to put all of you to the test and we're going to see how sharp our swords are. So, if you have a Bible, if you could hold it like this by its spine and we need it to be above your head. And I'm going to say a passage and I need all of you to then repeat that passage back to me. And then I'll say charge, and then you guys are going to try, find the passage, and then stand up and read the passage. Okay, does that make sense? Okay. And remember, you can't move your Bibles until until I say charge, okay? So the passage is 1 Timothy 2.5. Okay, let's let's try that again. Okay, so 1 Timothy 2.5. 1 Timothy 2.5. Charge. Okay, and then once you find it, make sure you stand up. Ooh, good job. Can we get two claps for our shepherding elder, Jerry? Okay, it's good that we have shepherding elders that know their Bibles super well and can get to Scripture fast. Amen, amen. And why, uh, why I do that and why we practice that with our student D3 groups and why Scripture is important is because we want to know God's Word. We want to have it written on our hearts and come to know God's Word so well that uh, we're able to turn to Scripture passages and memorize Scripture because God God's Word is how He reveals Himself to us. Uh, and today we're looking at Ephesians 2. So if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 2. And as you're turning there, uh, I uh, just want to do a little bit of talking here. And uh, Sorry, kind of lost my train of thought. This past week was Thanksgiving. Okay, so how many of you did some sort, celebrate Thanksgiving in some way? Okay, so most of us uh, have spent this week and we celebrated Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving often and uh, we, is a time that we give thanks. I don't know about you guys, but for me, when I was growing up, we'd always go over to my grandma's house for Thanksgiving and they'd spend all day making, making lunch and making the turkey and the lion's game would be on and it would smell wonderful and I'd always sneak around trying to get some rolls before the dinner. And then we would sit down and uh, we'd have all the food and we'd pray and then as, just as we're going to dig in, They'd say, hold on, no, no, we can't eat yet. We need everyone to go around and share what they're thankful for. And this time of Thanksgiving was always so hard for me. One, because I was so hungry. They made me wait all day to eat. And then also, I didn't really know what to be thankful for. And the people around me always, I didn't know them. Like, there would be cousins that I only saw during the holidays. And then, you know, that weird aunt and uncle that I only ever see on Thanksgiving. And then I'd be telling them what I'm thankful for this past year. And often I would 
lean on, oh, I'm thankful for family, or I'm thankful for this vacation that we got to go on, or I'm thankful for these friends. Uh, And I uh, never truly was giving thanks to God and all that God was doing in my life. And uh, God, you know, now I know he was using those years to prepare my heart uh, for the ministry. Uh, But uh, our most thankful and what we all should be most thankful for in our lives is Christ. And we want to give thanks to him because of all that he's done for us. And in today's scripture passage, Ephesians 2, we're looking uh, at just all that Christ has done. And really just, uh, I feel like this passage brings out a great picture of the gospel. That it doesn't start with Jesus' death, but it instead starts with our sin. And that we're sinful and we are in need of saving uh, so would you please join me uh, and follow along with me as I read a couple of verses here that we're looking at. Ephesians 2, 1-3. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the, the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. So what, and the book of Ephesians is written to the church in Ephesus, and what is being said here in the first three verses that I just read is that uh, before the church, before they had become believers, they were living in sin. They were dead in their sin. And believe it or not, that all still applies to us. Here, the believers here gathered at Bentry Church before we came to know Christ, before we asked Christ to come into our heart, we once were, were sinners and we were doing what was right in our own eyes. We were dead in our trespasses and, and sins. We walked uh, and we followed as the world lived. We would live of the world. And God and man are separated. And what this, the first three verses is showing is that humanity and God are separated because of sin. Yeah. Now, if you were to look at your Bible and look big picture, we see that in, if you look at Genesis 3, God created the world and he created man and woman. And it wasn't very much long later that Adam and Eve sinned and humanity fell. fell. And that's what's known as the fall. And then the relationship that God had created in the garden that we see Adam and Eve are able to fellowship with God, that relationship was broken. It was divided. And that divide, that big separation between them is sin. So God and man are separated because of sin. And that's where we find ourselves here in Ephesians 2. That before we knew God, we were separated. And we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We followed the prince of the power of the air. And when you share the gospel, and when we, and often in our own lives, and how we need to share the gospel with others, is they need to know that they are in need of saving. Okay? Now, I grew, I, one of my first jobs growing up was, a, was being a lifeguard. And I like to think if we saw someone in a red swim, swimsuit come in here, and they walked up to the stage, and they said, Hal, you're drowning. Let me save you. I know I would look at them like they were crazy, and I'm sure all of you would too. I'm standing here on dry ground. I'm 
nice and warm. It's freezing outside. I'm not wet at all. I'm, I'm dry. I'm fine. I'm not in no danger of drowning. Now, if this was a different situation, if say I was in the middle of Lake Loveland, okay, it's pretty cold out there today, so I'd also be dealing with hypothermia, but I'd be cold and if someone came and they were like, hey, do you need help? It looks like you're drowning. Absolutely, I, I am. I'm in the middle of this lake. I need saving. And before, and before we need to be saved, we need to know that we're in trouble and we need saving. And it's important that we don't just gloss over uh, what happened before Christ came to save us, but we were dead and we were sinful. And we weren't just on top of the water floating around, treading and trying to get to shore. And it's not a conversation. We, we actually were at the bottom of the lake. We were chained. We were strapped to the bottom of the lake. We were dead. And Christ came down and he pulled us up and breathed new life into us. We're dead in our sin. We are living the power. We are just following what's right in our own eyes. Doing whatever the, we see as right. And we're following the passions of our flesh. We're not caring what does God say is right. What is right for us as scripture lays out. But we were doing what we saw fit. And, the good, and that's what sin is. Sin is that separation where we do what is right in our eyes and we are living life however we wanted to. And that's where we found ourselves before God came and saved us. And there's many other unbelievers out there in the world who they are living that way now. They don't see the need to be saved. They don't need to be saved because they're a good person. Oh, I'm a good person. I haven't done any bad things. I haven't murdered anyone. But they're sinners. Romans 3.23 tells us, for all have sinned. Everyone's a sinner. It's not just some people. It's not just certain people. Everyone has sinned. All of us, everyone in the world is in need of saving. All of us at one point in our lives have been dead at the bottom of the lake and need to be pulled out and breathed new life into. Now the gospel message isn't just that we're all horrible people in need of saving. If it was, that'd be a pretty pretty sad gospel message, a pretty sad story, but it, it continues on and that the good news is Jesus. So follow along with me in verses four. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Okay, so before I move on and go too far, I want to highlight, it just says that, but God, okay, so we have our sin. It talks about us following the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And just think of that. But God, if it was just up to us, we'd be in serious trouble. Verse four, it has but God. God intervened. God has done something. And it's God who's being rich in mercy Because of the great love which he loved us. But God. He's the one. He's the one who's rich in mercy. Out of his love for us. Is what continues in next. Even when we were dead in our trespasses. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him. And seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now we are dead. Well, at some point, all of us were dead in our sins. You may be dead in your sins today. But God, who was rich in mercy and who loves us, created a way for God and man to have a relationship once again. When you look at Genesis 3, God and man dwelt, dwelt with each other. They uh, communed with one another. They spent time with one another walking in the garden. But humanity sinned and broke, severed the relationship between God and man. And God sent his son, Jesus, to make a way to restore this relationship between God and man. So flip over with me to Philippians, Philippians 2, verses 5 and 8. 5 through 8, not 5 and 8. Philippians 2, verse 5 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. In this passage, and what this passage in Philippians is showing us and sharing with us that God, Christ, God the Son, took on human flesh. He became human. And now the passage, it says that Christ emptied himself. And now often there's pastors and theologians that say, God, he removed his divinity to become man. And that's not true. Okay, so God, Christ did not remove any of his divinity to become man. But what this passage is saying that instead of subtraction, God added humanity to himself. Christ became man. He came down. He took on human flesh, being both truly God and truly man. And now a lot of people find this hard to understand. So often we say God was 100% man. Well, sorry, Christ was 100% man, 100% God. Now that's hard because we have 200% Jesus and that doesn't add up and it doesn't make sense. But we want to use the language, Christ was truly God and truly man. And that's what this passage in Philippians is saying, that Christ took on human flesh. He was in the form of God, but he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied, so he removed, he added to himself by taking the form of a servant. One where he would be born, he'd live a perfect sinless life, and he would go to die on the cross. And now that passage that was read for us, First Timothy 2, 5, says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Verse 6 continues, Who gave himself as ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Jesus needed to take on humanity. If Jesus hadn't, taken on humanity, if he had only remained God and didn't take on human humanity or human flesh, didn't become human, then Jesus' death 
on the cross wouldn't have been a proper, a proper death. He couldn't truly mediate between God and man because he wouldn't have been man. If Jesus had removed his divinity, then he still wouldn't be able to mediate between humanity and God because he's not God. He wouldn't have that relationship between both parties, but because he took on human flesh and he was truly God and truly man, Jesus was was able to be the perfect sacrifice whose blood was counted as enough and the payment was accepted to pay the price, not for his sin, because he didn't sin. But the blood, Jesus' blood paid the price for our sins, all of our sins. And that's because Jesus was truly God and truly man. Jesus came down, lived a life, and he was born as a human baby, lived a sinless life, all so that he could restore the relationship between God and humanity once again. So in verse 4, when we read, but God, his love for us is sending his only son to die a sinner's death on a cross. For us, knowing that it's humanity who broke the relationship between God and man. God's not the one who severed the tie and broke the relationship. It was, it was God. It was man that broke that relationship. And Jesus, through his blood, being truly man and truly God, was able to cross that great divide, cross the separation that is sin, and make a way for humanity and God to have a relationship once again. Let's look at verse, verses 8 through 10 now in Ephesians 2. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we have been saved by God's grace through faith. And this is not of our own doing. It is the gift of God. It's not a result of works so that no one may boast. I think this is important because it tells us we can be secure in our our salvation. It's not up to how for my own salvation. Because if it was up to me, if it was something that I did or something my works or something that I did where I could just work hard enough and achieve my own salvation, that also means that I could lose my salvation. That I could do something where I would mess up and I would lose my salvation. It's a really good thing that all of your guys' salvation isn't resting upon me and my works, but it rests upon God. Who, rich in his mercy and rich in his love for us, sent his only son. It's all Jesus. So often we think of everything we've done. Here's what I've done. I don't know how many testimonies I've heard where the person who's sharing the testimony is really just giving us a story about their life. Hey, listen to everything I've done and how I'm a good person and God's great, you know. But our testimonies all should point to Jesus. 
that it's Jesus. He's the one who came and picked us up, pulled us out of the lake, stripped off our sin, and breathed new life into us. He's the one who died the sinner's death, died the death that we deserve for all the sin that we commit. We deserve to die on a cross and die for our own sins. But Jesus came down out of his love for us and died on the cross for us. And he's the one who calls us into salvation. It's Jesus. And we can be secure in our salvation because it's not up to us. It's all God. And his love for us sent the son to die on the cross for us. And through this, verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Before we accepted Jesus into our heart, before we started living a life for Christ, we all were sinners, living a life where we did what was right on our own eyes. We didn't worry about the Bible because that didn't matter. All that worried about was me. But God, who breathed new life into us, is now continually making us new. That he, we're, He's making us his workmanship. He's forming us and creating us to be new in Jesus. We share a new life, and through the process of sanctification, Jesus is working in us with through the Holy Spirit who's indwelling in our hearts and making us new. Where we're no longer following the ways of the world or doing whatever is right in our own eyes, but instead we are doing what's right in Christ. And we're living a life for Christ and how he is calling us to live. And God prepared this beforehand. God prepared this beforehand. He prepared this way of redemption, this way of restoring this relationship between God and humanity, all to show his love for us. If you turn back in Ephesians 1, and I encourage you to go read Ephesians 1, 3 through 14 on your own later today or this week, and what this passage highlights is what's known as the covenant of redemption. Or for those of you that speak Latin, it's called the pactum salutis. And what this passage highlights is that God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit came together before the foundation of the world and planned out this redemption and how they would restore the relationship between God and humanity. That the Son would come down, that he would die on the cross for everyone. And they made this plan before the foundation of the world. So it wasn't some backup plan. It wasn't some plan that they put together after Adam and Eve sinned. But no, they, they planned this out before the foundation of the world. All so that God may show his love to us. So, so if you've accepted Jesus into your heart, if you are a believer and you believe Jesus died on the cross for your sins... God made this plan to bring you into a relationship with him to restore the relationship between God and humanity to make way that God can have a relationship with you before the foundation of the world. God loves us. God has called us into salvation. 
God calls us into salvation. And now, as we are entering and we've had Thanksgiving, and as we're moving into this Christmas season, I want to just challenge and encourage all of you to remember to give thanks to God. I know Thanksgiving, we so often think about, oh, I'm thankful for food. I'm thankful for this, the raise I got at work. I'm thankful that we got to go to on vacation, whatever it may be. Yes, we can be thankful for that, but let's not forget about God. He's the one that's breathed new life into us. If it wasn't for God, if God wasn't here, we wouldn't have anything to give thanks to because we would still be carrying around. We'd be dead at the bottom of the lake, carrying around our own sin, trying to live a life that ultimately is only bringing death. But Christ has breathed new life into us. So we want to give thanks to him. And today, thankful Sunday, I love this Sunday. We come together, we gather together, and we sing more songs than usual. We're worshiping God. We get to respond today with communion, with singing praises. And I want us to today to sing, sing loud, give your thanks to God. And over the next couple, next month, Things are busy. I don't know about you guys, but things aren't going to slow down for me. Things are going to continue getting faster and faster and faster until after the new year. And I know the holidays can be challenging for people. You see family that you may have a hard time with or finances get tight because you're trying to get all the good deals on Black Friday. But let's not forget why we're celebrating. It's Christmas. We are celebrating the birth of Jesus, who is our Lord and Savior, who came down, took on humanity. Jesus' birth is him adding humanity to his nature, also that he might be the perfect sacrifice for our sin. So when you find yourself and you find little breaks of time over the next month, whether that be right after you've dropped the kids off at school or... uh, when you wake up in the morning or right before you go to bed or whenever that is, I want to challenge you to look towards Jesus. Look towards God. Thank him for all that he's done through sending his son to die on the cross for your sin and what he's continually doing for you each and every day through interceding on your behalf to the Father. Let's not forget to give thanks and to look towards Christ during this holiday season. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for just your love and all that you've done in each of our lives. I pray you will, uh, just in the busy season, the weeks to come, Lord, that we'll look towards you and not look towards ourselves, but we'll seek you each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Bentry Church. To get connected at Bentry and for more information, please visit BentryChurch.com.